Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. We are in week three of a message series we are calling Taking Control of Your Thoughts. And uh, really, we've been talking about our thoughts and our mind because our thoughts are so powerful. They influence our believing, they influence our speaking and the way that we live, the decisions that we make are influenced by our thinking. So we've been looking at this whole idea of taking control of our thoughts, of renewing our minds, right? Because whatever we think on and dwell on the most is going to come out in our lives. Okay, I got a few people who believe that this morning right over here. I'll say it again. Whatever we think on and dwell on the most is going to come out in our lives. So with that understanding, it's incredibly important for us to renew our minds to truth. How do we know what truth is? We know that truth comes from God's Word. That's the only source of truth, the only thing that doesn't change in this life. And so we know, like to renew our minds, we need truth from God's Word, right? So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This has been our kind of theme verse, the foundation where we get this whole idea on renewing our minds and that we need to do it. Tells us how we do it, and then it gives us a promise at the end of it for when we do it. Verse 2, it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of, their, of your mind. So if that's all there was, that would be great on its own, that we can renew our minds. We have the ability to change. We're not stuck. We can change our thinking, and we do it by renewing our mind. But we serve the God of more than enough. He is so good, and so he has a promise for us in it when we do it. So when we renew our minds, it says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's, that's such an encouraging scripture because, man, God wants us to know his will, and there's the key for us to know God's will, to grow in our understanding of God and who he is and what he wants us to do. Well, if we want to do that, then we need to renew our minds. That's the promise of God. When we renew our minds, man, then we're going to be able to understand God's will. We're going to hear him speaking more clearly. We're going to see him moving. We're going to have a deeper understanding when we open the Bible, when we begin to read it. What does this mean? Well, if you want to know, like, the way you gain an understanding in God's will is by renewing your mind. Come on, somebody. It's good for us. It's good because if you're like me, you have a brain and you have thoughts, and you all do, right? We have thoughts coming at us all the time. They're never ending. They're coming at us constantly, right? Sometimes good thoughts, sometimes bad thoughts, sometimes hungry thoughts, sometimes hangry thoughts, right? Sometimes they're uh, disguised thoughts, sometimes they're offensive thoughts. Whatever they are, they're coming at us all the time, right? And what we have to realize is that there is a battle for our thinking. There's a battle for our minds because we are going to win or lose the battles that we face in this life in our mind, right? The battle is won or lost in our thinking, right? So if we approach the fight when we feel like, man, I'm not good enough, I'm not worth it, I must not have any self-value, and we lose the battle in our mind, like we're going to lose the battle. Like the battles that we face are won or lost in our thinking. So we've got to understand the importance of this message to begin to renew our minds, right? It's so important for us because so many people are struggling and losing the battle in their mind, right? 
they're, they're trying hard, they're trying to be good, and they're just, for various different reasons, they're losing the, the battle in their minds, and that's just the Christians, right? Because we haven't renewed our minds on a daily basis to the truth of God's Word. And so there's, people are struggling, barely getting by. And too often as believers, we, uh, we just, uh, all we experience of God is a moment, Right? We have a moment with God where maybe it's for you, you come on Sunday morning and you have that moment where you get the goosebumps on your arm or you're like, wow, God was there, God spoke to me. Or maybe when you're at Publix or somewhere and you had that moment where God spoke to you, where you felt God's presence. The thing about it is that a moment with the Lord was never meant to just be a moment. It was always meant to drive us to want more of Him, right? That moment wasn't just meant to stay a moment, right? Because a moment is really just a glimpse, it's just, it's just like a fraction. It's like social media, right? A social media post, when somebody posts a picture, like that's just a fraction, a limited view of a fraction of a second of someone else's life, right? But what do we do when we're scrolling through there and looking at pictures? We are formulating opinions and thoughts about that other person, about what they think, about what they like. Well, they must like that kind of food because that's what their pictures are. Well, they, how do they get all that money to go on all those trips? I know the job they have. They don't even have all that money. We're, form, right? We're formulating our thoughts and our opinions about people based on a fraction of a view of a fraction of a second, right? Listen, uh, and a moment is not bad. Social media is not bad, but it, uh, it's just not an effective way to really get to know somebody, who they are, what they love, and to really experience the benefits of having that relationship, right? We need more than a moment, more than a fraction, right? And that's really, like for us, we've got to grow in our spiritual life to get past, oh, I had a moment with the Lord on Sunday, and I'll, be, I'll have another one next Sunday. We've got to have like this sense where we're drawing closer to Him on a daily basis, where we're in His presence, where we're with Him. Scripture, the psalmist wrote, he says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, right? He's talking about this desire deep inside of Him, like, God, I long to be with you, to be near you. God, I, God, I want to hear you speaking more. I want to be close to you. And so many of us have that desire, right? We have that, oh yeah, that would be nice, but we haven't taken the steps to like seek it out, to, to search for it, wherever it is, whatever the cost, I'm going to find it, right? That's what the deer is doing. It's panting for the water. It's looking for it. I have a dog. Anybody else have pets in the house? His name is Pilot. He's a golden retriever. And he, we take him outside and let him run around in the back sometimes, you know, when he's getting a little too wild to be in the house, you know. And so he's running around the back. And then after a short time, you know, then he's tired and he's out of breath because it's Florida and it's hot outside, right? And uh, some of us are the same. And he's, he gets tired and now he's breathing heavy. And he is a loud breather. He's a loud, pants loud. He's like, <laughs> and you can hear him through the entire house. <laughs> breathing heavy. What is it like? He's thirsty. He's hot. And, and what he does is he goes around the yard and, the, and the, the patio looking for water anywhere. He's looking for <laughs> And maybe he finds like a, you know, a little corner where the rainwater is pooled and he tries to lick it up. Why? Because he's looking for water anywhere. Whatever it takes. Where is it? I'll be really good right now. What do you want? Can I have some water? He's, he's searching for the water because he needs it. He's longing for it. Like that's what the psalmist is saying. Like how like, how desperately are we searching for the water? How, how, how are we longing for it? Are we seeking it out? Right? This is what he's talking about, right? We've, we've got to get to this place. The psalmist writes in another place, uh, those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
a lot of people quote the scripture for protection, but we, we miss the first part, those that dwell, those that abide, those that stay in, those that reside, those that are found in that place. Like if you're going to find me somewhere, it's going to be there. We all have a dwelling, right? We call it a house, a place, an apartment, a place we live, right? We all go to that place. So like, hey, where they're at their place, they're at their pad, right? They're at their house. Like that's the place we live. That's the place we stay. And that's what he's saying. Those that dwell in, those that live in, in that place will be covered by the Almighty. Like there's picture all throughout Scripture of us needing to be where God is, to be in his presence. But can I, but, but please don't hear what I'm not saying. That doesn't mean you need to just stay in your closet all day and do nothing. Okay. You still got to go to work. <laughs> right, you got bills to pay. You still got to spend time with your family, with your kids, with your spouse. You still, you know, you need to do the things that God has called you to do. But here's the thing. God's presence doesn't stay in the closet. He's with me all the time. So when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm driving down the road, when I'm at church, when I'm wherever I am, I, like, he's with me. Like I, like, I can still dwell with him in those places. Amen, somebody. All right, come on we got to dwell with the Lord. So we're getting past just a glimpse, right? It's so important that we grow spiritually this way because if we never get past the glimpse of who God is, right? All we have is this fractional glimpse of, God, I, you're good and, and you want good things from We just have this fractional glimpse. Then we'll easily be tricked by a cleverly disguised, almost identical fake, right? Because that's, what, that's what's called deception, and that's the tactic of our spiritual enemy, the devil, is he's trying to trick and deceive. 2 Corinthians 11 says that the devil goes around like an angel of light. So he's dressed up. He's trying to portray himself as an angel of light, seeking those he can deceive. Paul is writing this to the church, y'all, not to people who don't know Christ. Man, we've got to know God enough to recognize the deception, to recognize that the, the one in disguise, that, like, that, that's not you, God. I know you, God, better than that because I've been spending time with you. We've been walking together every day, every step. You're involved in everything. Like, I'm, like We've got to get past that place where it's just a moment because if all I know is just a moment, then it's easy to, it's easy to be tricked into it. So we're growing in it spiritually, right? We're growing spiritually, right? All right. Jesus even said, uh, John 15, he said, uh, remain in me and I'll remain in you. So uh, abide in me. Stay with me. Hang with me. Let's hang out, bro. I'll hang out with you, right? He's saying as long as we remain in him, he will remain in us. It's a good promise for us, right? So we're beginning to do this. We're beginning to renew our minds to this truth, right? So we can understand more of God's will. And that's the promise of God, that if we'll do it, we'll have more understanding of who he is and his will. So we're talking about how we renew our minds. If you missed any of the weeks, um, get on the uh, podcast. If you want audio, there's a link on our website to the podcast. Or if you prefer video, you can get on our YouTube channel, subscribe to it that way. The first week of the series, we talked about how God has given us the ability to change our thinking. That we are not stuck with the, with the thoughts that we have. We are not stuck with the brain or the deficiency we feel we have. We are not a prisoner to bi our biology. No, we have the ability to change our thinking, right? We looked at the study of science that has shown us. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf has a lot to say and a lot of studies she's done over the years on this whole idea of the science of thought. But she says that our thoughts are not just like little wispy things that just kind of are there. Like No, they're real things that are occupy real space in our brains, 
right? They're, and when we think a thought, that thought creates a chemical connection to another thought in other parts of our brain. And the more we think thoughts, we're actually building these connections and they end up looking like a big tree. And like the branches are all connected and sprout off. That's what our thoughts are doing. So the more that we think a thought, then that same thought then is strengthened and that connection becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And before long, that's our default pathway, the default way every thoughts travel. Right? So the more that I think that I'm not good enough and I'm just not worth it and all these things, I think it more and I think it more and I think it more, that connection is what becomes strengthened. It's a real connection in our brains. And man, then every thought that I have filters through that. I'm not good enough. I'm not worth it. Well, I shouldn't even try to be part of that because I'm not. Right? Every thought. The good news for us is that God has given us the ability in ourselves to change our thinking, to break down some of those neurological pathways and to build new healthy ones based on on truth, right? We can base those pathways on anything, but God has just given us his truth. It also says that we, we've been given his explosive dynamic power to demolish those things, right? So on top of our natural ability, we have a supernatural ability from our Heavenly Father to build strong, healthy thoughts and break down all the, the bad, toxic pathways. It's good news for us. Come on. Last week, Last week, we took the next step in this process of taking control of our thoughts and renewing our minds. As we begin to ask ourselves, like, how do we do it? Well, we need to train our mind to truth. If we've believed a lie, then we need to train our mind to truth. The same way we would train our body by going to the gym to be stronger, we've got to train our mind. We've got to put truth in it, and then we've got to do something with the truth that's put in there. So we ask ourselves two big questions. What is the biggest lie that we've believed? If we believed a lie of our enemy that we're filtering these things and decisions and processes through, what is that lie? The second question we ask ourselves is, what is the truth of God's word that demolishes that lie? That's what scripture tells us, that God's truth demolishes, it destroys those strongholds, the lies. So how does it work that way in our lives? Well, we talked about the process of how we meditate on truth, how we speak it out. We meditate on the truth and we begin to speak it out. And by doing that, by the, it begins to break down those strongholds. So if you missed any of those, I encourage you to take advantage of them. I believe they'll be a blessing to your life. Today, the word of the Lord is think different. Everybody say, think different. Thinking different. Our world is full of stories of people who broke out of the normal way of thinking and doing things and began to think a little bit differently. Don't be looking at your spouse right now and be thinking, you think different all the time. Like, like that's not what we're talking about, okay? Just keep it right at, locked right in here, okay? I don't want you to get in trouble, right? But we're talking about thinking different. When I think about people who thought different and, and that difference then changed the course of history, I think of people like Steve Jobs, right? He's the founder of Apple Computers, right? And in the beginning, he really began to think differently about personal computing and what happened, man, the personal computer revolution and how that began to change. And that was amazing, but I really think his most important and most influential uh, invention was the iPhone. It was really the first of its kind. Many of us have phones like this that it came out of one man's idea, the thought that one guy had thought, um, I wonder what it would be like. What if we could take a device and start to combine technologies and change the way the world operates, right? And now we have 
industries that have been created, complete other things, devices, all different kinds of things that came out of one man who decided to think differently about communication, how we use a telephone, how we talk to each other, how we interact socially, right? All that has changed. Entire industries have been birthed out of that one man's idea. Now you can, people make millions of dollars writing apps and doing all kinds of things and third party things to enhance your phones and all kinds of stuff because one man said, hey, what if we thought differently about this kind of thing? And I would say that nearly every person on the face of this earth has been influenced by that thought of thinking differently. That's amazing. In less than 10 years, one person changed the way the world operates. Man, even how commerce happens all over the world has changed. We do it on these little devices because one man. That's awesome. Man, that gets me excited about the church. There's more than one of us here. And we have something that Steve Jobs has never had. That's the Holy Spirit. We have a connection to our Heavenly Father. We have a download from heaven. Come on, somebody. I think about, like, I mean, thinking different, right? Thinking different, seeing things in a different light. Think about how this church started. And our, our founding pastors, Pastor Caleb and Sarah, and even, uh, you know, me and my wife, a few of us that moved here to start this church, man, people told us we were crazy. Why are you moving there? Like, well, we felt like God told us to go. Well, what are you going to do in the church? I don't know. We weren't promised a position when we came here. It was just like, would you come be a part of the team? I probably just need, like, can you sweep the floors or do something? I don't know what you're going to do, but will you come? Okay. Telling people they're looking at, like, who goes to a place where you don't know anybody, you don't have any friends, you don't have enough resource to do the thing you're supposed to, like, you, it, it, you understand, like, it requires some different thinking, but look where we are, baby. Come on. We're about to celebrate five years because somebody thought a little bit differently. It's good. Like, thinking differently goes beyond just affecting us. It begins to affect circles around us for generations to come, right? I think about, man, the awesome people on our setup and teardown team. They think different. They think different. I, I, I highlighted my friend Mike Zwicker in the first service again. I think, but I think about him. He's been, uh, many of you know Mike. If you don't, make sure you stop and see him today. Thank him for setting your chairs up, you know, the one that you're sitting in right now. Um, but I think about how Mike, he's been on our setup team for, uh, I think, about over two years now. Every Sunday here, early, early, cleaning the floors, mopping up the grapes and the pizza that's left by the kids and all kinds of things. That's thinking different. Right, normal way of thinking is I'm going to sleep in on Sunday. It's the Sabbath, and I'm getting mine. I'm going to recharge my batteries. Right, That's the normal way of thinking, but I'm so thankful that Mike decided, you know what? I'm going to think a little bit differently. And, you know, like, so what does he do? So he comes, and he s- creates environments where people come and can experience the life-changing message of Jesus and find salvation. He creates atmospheres where people are able to encounter God, right? He creates spaces. Our setup team creates spaces where your kids are being taught the Word of God and where the, you can come in and, like, you understand, like, it's making a difference, right? Mike, and I just tell you the same thing, buddy. You're making a difference. I love you, my friend. Come on. You're awesome. It's making a difference. Man. Like, it's thinking different. we got to begin as believers to begin to think differently. We're not the status quo. We are peculiar people. We've been called out of the darkness. No, I said peculiar people. Don't be, keep those elbows locked right here. Like, you are peculiar. <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus. So when somebody calls you peculiar, that's, a, that's the Bible, baby, you know, like. But we've been called out of darkness and into light, right? So we, we're different. we got to begin to renew our minds to think this way. It's good. And by the way, where's all my men at? Who, who? 
Okay, a few of you guys. <laughs> Listen, I'm just calling all the men out. I'm just calling you out today. Like, it shouldn't be me and Mike and Danny and Jay and Casey and a few of us on the setup team. Like, there should be a lineup. Like, when can I get up on the setup team? Guys, because, men, we're leaders in our homes. So we need to lead differently. We need to think differently. Stop complaining about, well, why don't my kids this and I wish this? No, you, sh you lead the way. You're the pioneer in your home, and you show them how it's done. So I'm just calling you out. Like, we need you on the setup and teardown team. We need you, right? So that's the end of that. Let's keep going. That's good. If you, and if you're interested in being on that team, we'd love to talk to you. Talk to us after the service. So we're talking about thinking differently. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of looking at people. It's a different way of looking at situations and circumstances. It's a different way of interpreting things. I heard it said this way. Uh, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we see it. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we see it. It reminds me of this a story I heard of this uh, little boy who loved to play baseball. I grew up loving to play baseball, and he would go out every day and tell everybody, I'm the greatest batter in the history of the world. I'm the greatest hitter in the history of the world. And so after school, he'd get home, do his homework, and go outside with his ball and his bat. He'd put his bat on his shoulder, take that ball, throw it up in the air, wait for it to come down. Strike one. It's all right. I'm the greatest hitter in history. Nobody gets it every time. Pick that ball up. Throw it up again. Wait for it to come down. Strike two. It's all right. I do best under pressure. It's what I do after I bring my best that makes the difference. So I'm going to do it again. I'm the greatest hitter in all of history. So I love strike two. It's the time to shine. Top 10 sports center moment right here. He picks it up, throws it up. The ball's coming down in slow motion because that's what happens on strike two and thematic moments, right? The ball's coming down slow. Strike three. He stands there for a moment. He's thinking. All of a sudden, the light bulb comes on. I didn't know. I'm the greatest pitcher in all of history because I just struck out the greatest batter of all time, baby. You know what I'm saying? Can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we see it. Like we're talking about thinking different this morning. Come on. We're talking about thinking different. How many of y'all heard the phrase, oh, they just have no filter? Anybody, maybe some of you have said that before. Oh, I just got no filter. Like, I'm not trying to knock on you right this morning. But listen, we've got to understand what happens when we're saying that is that really, in reality, we all have a filter. We have a mental filter that we're processing things through and seeing things through, right? So we've got to realize, like, it's not that we have no filter. So when somebody says that, what they're saying is that they're really just trying to find a way to make an excuse or cover up something that was offensive or, you know, or that just because they wanted to say whatever they wanted to say, <laughs> right? So we have a filter. So it's not that we have no filter. It's just that uh, that's how we're seeing things. That's how we're filtering things. It's kind of like if I were to put these on right now. Like I can see everybody out here right now. And if I were to put these on, these are super dark. And now it's like I feel alone in this room. I, like I'm, you can't tell, but I'm squinting and I don't see nobody. Like are y'all still here? Okay. I, I'm just making sure. Like when I put these on, nothing in this room changed except how I can now see it. What I'm filtering it through is the only thing that changed. Y'all are still in your seats. Okay, just making sure. Y'all are still in your seats, but how I see you because of the filters that I have on changing is skewing how I'm feeling. So now it feels like I'm alone in this room when I'm actually surrounded by family, right? It feels like no one's got my back, 
When it, like, oh, man, there's people all around me, right? Like, it's easy to see, like, man, now I'm filtering things this way. Now when I put on these glasses. <laughs> now all the phones are out, I think. It looks like phones, but everything's kind of warped. Y'all are looking green. Is everybody feeling okay? Yeah. Nobody needs the doctor? No. I can't tell. Y'all look green this morning. Make sure. Okay, y'all look good. You're still looking good. You're still looking fine. That's all right. But when I put these on, man, everything is warped. Everything is kind of distorted. I can't see clearly. If I was driving right now, y'all better look out because I cannot see clearly. Things don't, perspective is wrong. Like, my depth perception ain't right. Like, I feel like I'm in back to the future a little bit, and my fingers are kind of disappearing a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything looks different. And it's no wonder that then people go through their lives making decisions, saying things, doing things that we don't want to do. Why? Be, not because we're bad people, because, like, we're filtering things through a flawed, distorted lens, right? Because anything that we filter through that's not based on the Word of God, is going to lead to a distorted and flawed lens, right? We, if we base our filter, if we base our perspective, our beliefs on anything other than the truth from God's Word, it will lead us to a place where things are distorted, where we can't see clearly, we can't tell what's going on, right? But here's how good our God is. He always makes a way for us to be able to see clearly because His plans for us are good. His will for us is good. It's, it's pleasing. So what does God do? God always gives us a way. He gives us a way to get through some things. We read this on the first week, but I want to read it again to encourage somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. God is always working to help us. Verse 3, it says, though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't fight with the weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. So God is giving us supernatural weapons. It's not like a defense contractor. It's like heaven is behind us. His anointing is behind us. There's something supernatural that he's given us to combat these things, these thoughts that are coming at us all the time. So we are not prisoners to our thoughts. Somebody's going to get a hold of that today and get some freedom in their life. We are not a prisoner to our thoughts. Man, we are the ones taking thoughts captive, right? Let me show you in the next part of the verse. So what do we do? We demolish arguments and every pretension. A pretension is a thought, a high-minded thing, a thing that tries to set itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we're the one in charge. We've been given this authority. We've been given God's dynamic, explosive power to make it happen, right? So, man, we take every thought captive. So every thought that comes at me, I'm the boss. I choose to think on it. I choose to dwell on it, right? So how do we make every thought obedient to Christ? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked, right? We take every thought captive, right? So when a thought comes at me and I'm feeling down, I'm feeling sad, I feel that, de that depressed thought, that fearful thought, that anxious thought comes at me, kind of stressed out kind of feeling comes at me. I need to take that thought and be like, does this stressed out, depressed, fearful thought line up with the truth? Okay, what is the truth? Well, the truth comes from God's Word. So what does God's Word say? Man, 
If you don't know, I love what my friend Noah said. Ask somebody. Ask Siri. Ask Google. Ask somebody. Like, like we have these tools. 2 Corinthians 4.8 says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. I'm feeling stressed out. I feel like everything's about to fall apart. I feel like I can't take it anymore. I'm hard-pressed on every side. But, hey, the truth is you're not crushed. You're going to make it, baby. Right? He says, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. Like, I, I don't know what's happening. I feel, I feel so anxious about this. I feel like panic attack coming on me, but I'm not in despair. I'm not in despair. That's the truth. Like, I, I, I'm not ruled by the thing. I'm not in despair. I might have these thoughts, but I'm going to take them captive. That's the truth, right? So, in other words, things might be going on around us, right? But the truth of God's word says, man, I have peace in the storm. I have the peace of God ruling and reigning in my heart, right? And it guards my heart, and it guards my mind. So, okay, thought this thought is a lie because it doesn't match up with the truth. So, what do I do? How do I demolish the stronghold? Well, I begin to meditate on it. I begin to think on it. I begin, for me, I begin to write it down right? Because what we say and what we write down, like we remember 70% of those things, but the things that I only think about, I only remember 20% of those things. And the things that, like, like the more that we do things, so when I meditate, when I write it down, and then I begin to speak it out loud, man, it begins to work in my life. So it begins to destroy. So when I have that, that anxious thought, that fearful thought, right? Like, no, like that's not the truth, so I'm not going to have it that way, right? The Word of God says He's always with me. He's for me and not against me, right? So, so what Whatever comes at me, it can't snatch me out of his hand. I don't have to be afraid of it. God didn't give me fear. God gave me power, love, and a sound mind. Right? I begin to combat it with the truth. That's making that thought obedient to Christ. You understand, right? Because the knowledge we have of Christ comes from one place. It doesn't come from our feelings. It doesn't come from having a warm fuzzy. Like The knowledge we have of Christ comes from Scripture. It comes from the Word. So we take every thought and we make it obedient to the knowledge we have of Christ, to the, what the Word of God says that's working in our lives. This is how two people can hear the exact same thing from the exact same person in the exact same tone and respond in two different ways. Right? One person will hear, you know, a boss or a team leader at the church, hey, get, hey, I, I, we need to correct this. We need to do some things here. Well, who do they think they are? They can't talk to me that way. They, they don't know me. They don't know where. Like, I, I'm just not even going to be a part of that. How dare they? Another person will hear it and be like, wow, thank you, God. Like, thank you for helping me see that blind spot. I didn't, I didn't realize that was going on. Man, I'm, I'm going to grow in that area. Like responding because of the filter that I'm seeing. Somebody, man, be all across our nation today. People are in church and the pastor's preaching truth. Well, who does that pastor think he is? He can't talk to me like that. I'm just never coming back to this church. They don't love me. They didn't hug my neck when I was in church today. Like, <laughs> another person will hear the message and the Holy Spirit will be convicting their hearts the same way it was Man, thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting me, for leading me to truth, for leading me to Jesus. Like, I don't want that stuff in my life. Right? You understand? Like, like, it's the filter that we're seeing things through. It's a belief, a perspective that we've taken on that's not based on truth that causes us to see things in a, a, a skewed, distorted way. So we're beginning to think different, beginning to see things in a different light, right? It's renewing our minds. So we've been looking at the life of Paul over the last couple of weeks, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, and we've been talking about his journey, how he grew, how he renewed his mind. One of the things that Paul wrote about often was his strong desire to go to the city of Rome and preach the gospel. He wanted to be a gospel preacher in Rome, and God kept sending him to all these other cities. He'd go to a city and start a church there. He'd raise up some leaders, leave it with them, move to another city, start a church, 
church, raise up some leaders, leave it with them, go to another city. Are you getting what he did? Right? He traveled around a lot. God sent him up to a lot of places to do this. And so that he did, he did it. Then one day he gets to go to Rome. And we'll be like, come on, he's going to live out his dream. Problem is, he didn't get to go to Rome as a gospel preacher. He went there in chains as on house arrest, waiting for the rulers to decide if he was going to be executed. That ain't the same. <laughs> he wanted to go to Rome as a free person to freely preach the gospel of Jesus. He went there as a prisoner, tied up to a guard 24-7 in house arrest as a, in chains. He didn't get to do what he wanted. And so many of us find ourselves in that place, right? Well, we thought by this point in my life I'd be in this place. I thought I'd be doing this. I thought I'd be loving my life and my career, making boatloads of cash. Instead, I'm working over there, barely getting by. That's where Paul was, right? I wanted to be here, but now I'm there. I wanted this, but now I got that instead, right? And, you know, like that's where the enemy creeps in to those who have the distorted lens and bring in disappointment, bring in the lies. Well, God didn't answer your prayer. God must love them more than he loves you. God, you know, like Paul gives us this story. He's, so Paul writes about this, this process that he's wrestling with because he was, he was human just like us. But he had just spent his life renewing his mind. Right, so he he was able to see things, and what like wh when you don't renew your mind, when you don't see things clear, you're like, man, that's a supernatural way of seeing things. And in a sense, you're right. It's just that he spent the time, the years, to renew his mind so that he could see through supernatural eyes instead of the way everybody else does. So he writes in his letter to the Philippian church, church that he started there. He writes this letter. We have it in our Bible as the book of Philippians. It's in chapter one, right, verse twelve. It says this. He says now. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me was totally unfair, and I plan on posting a bad review, letting everyone know how upset and mistreated I've been. And since God let this happen to me, I'm never going to serve him again, and don't anybody ask me to get involved. Right? In case you're... <laughs> Just got to clarify, if you haven't read Philippians before, maybe you're new to the church Paul didn't write that. <laughs> uh, that's like the new complainer's version, okay? But this is the words that Paul actually wrote. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, that's the being in chains, not being able to do what he dreamed of and felt called to do. What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Can't control what happens to me. It can't control how I see it, changing how I think about things. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Man. See, he's not talking about just positive thinking or looking on the bright side. Like, that's superficial and it won't last. There's no power in that, right? He's talking about like seeing things in a different way, beginning to see things from a different way perspective, right? So it's like he's saying, y'all, <laughs> he's like, y'all think that bad things have happened to me. Y'all think that I'm the prisoner. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you what's happening. I've got a guard chained to me 24 hours a day, and these guards aren't any just regular guards. These are guards that go in and out of the imperial palace and have access to high-level leaders, and they're chained to me. Y'all think I'm the prisoner? Listen, i got a captive audience, baby. I'm preaching the gospel. Like, he just had developed, like, I can think differently about these things. Everyone else sees chains. Everyone else sees problems. I see an opportunity to preach the gospel, right? 
It's thinking differently. It's thinking out of the box, right? Next verse, look what happens. He says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So when we begin to think differently, when we begin to renew our minds, it doesn't just affect us. It's not just about us, right? Man, it begins to affect our families. It, when we think differently, it affects our kids. It affects our spouse. It affects our work. It affects our, our church. It affects everything, man. The ripple effect of how we think, man, affects so much. So sometimes even, sometimes, uh, Holy Spirit, help me say this the right way. Uh, sometimes we get in uh, conflict in relationships, whether that's marriage relationship or uh, whatever relationship. We get in conflict and, re- and we think that that is all about us and us being able to resolve it, not realizing the people that are being affected because of this, with the thing that we're involved in because we've made it about us. Happens so often in families with kids, and, and there's stuff going on in, in, in the marriage. And yes, your marriage is priority, right? But we've got to realize the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that I see this conflict, like my kids are learning to process that same way that I am, and they're going to pass that on to their kids and their kids. So what I'm doing is affecting generations of my family to come, right? And since I'm raising my kids up in the house of the Lord to be leaders in the church, it's also going to affect the way the church is able to operate. You understand, like, there's a ripple effect of the way that things happen based on how I'm thinking and how I'm filtering and how I'm processing. So we've got to, like, we've got to realize like it's affecting people in more ways than we realize, right? And not just for the bad, but for the good as well. Come on, that's good news for us. So we can change our family. We can change our family tree. We can change our family history. So just because maybe divorce has been in your family, you need to start thinking differently like this thing for life, baby. You know, like, we can change the way we think. So I want to give us three keys today to start thinking differently. Three keys to thinking differently. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one is this. We need to develop an attitude of gratitude. If you want to think differently, you need to develop an attitude of gratitude. I say develop because so often people are like, well, I just don't even know what to be thankful for. Listen, you can start by being thankful for just that nothing bad happened. Right? Maybe you didn't get the promotion, but you still got that J-O-B. You know what I'm saying, right? Maybe you can't buy that dream house right now, but you still got a place to go sleep at night that's safe when the lightning is coming down. Like, you got a house. You got an apartment. You can be thankful for that. We just need to start to be thankful for whatever we have. Like, we can be thankful for something. We can always find something to be thankful for. So if we want to develop an attitude of gratitude, man, a good discipline to put in your life, just find one thing each day to be thankful for. Man, we, we started doing this in my house before we all leave in the morning, go to school and go our separate ways and do work and whatever we got to do that day. We gather together as a family and each of us has to say something we are thankful for. And it can't be something we said before. No repeats. And it can't be something somebody else said. <laughs> so if you want to get your thing, you better say it first. You know what I'm saying? It's just good because we've got to develop that attitude of gratitude because it's just not the default. It's just going to default to complaining and uh, just looking on, you know, I just don't have this. And if I, no, 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 
I'm just, I'm just thankful. Some of us need to be thankful for the car that we have. Maybe it's not a Maserati, baby, but I'm just thankful, Lord, not all the pain is chipped off yet. It might be chipping away, but it's still, there's still this one little square that's got some pain on there. Like, it might not be, you know, in the Indy 500, but it's still getting me to work, you know. Like, we can always be thankful for something, and it changes our perspective. If we want to think different, we need to develop an attitude of gratitude. Here's the second one, keys to changing our thinking, thinking differently, is we need to know before we go. Know before you go. Tell your neighbor, say, know before you go. Know before you go. go. Here's what I mean. Before I get into a situation, before I get into a a disagreement or a conflict, before I get in the middle of something, I'm going to preemptively decide the way I'm going to filter things. So before I go places in the morning, I'm going to decide I'm a joyful person. Before I have an opportunity to be upset or to lose it on somebody, I'm going to decide, hey, I don't lose my temper easily. Like, you're going to have to work hard if you want me to lose my temper. You're going to have to work hard to offend me. I am unoffendable. Come on, bring it, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've just decided before having a chance to be offended because what happens is then I get in this place where somebody says something, somebody does something, that offense creeps up in my heart. And if I haven't decided before I get there, then it's just too easy to get offended. Why do you think that's the way everybody responds? Because, man, they're just in the moment. You're in the heat of it. And it's like, and then you're like, why did I do that? Listen, know before you go. No, before you get in that situation, like, it's all right. I love you. I forgive you. It's all good. Like, I'm going to know before I go, deciding ahead of time. So I get in the middle of my day. I got to go into a meeting with the boss. I know it's about to be stressful up in there, right? So what do I do? I've already decided, thank you, God, your peace rules and reigns in my heart. God, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Guide me. I thank you, Lord, that your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. You know, like, I've just decided before I get into a stressful situation that I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to be full of peace. Why, why is this so important for us? Because our minds and our thoughts will always go to the place where they feel the most comfortable in moments of stress and pain. Right? Our minds and our thoughts, our feelings will always go to a place of comfort in moments of stress and pain. So what we've got to do is we've got to change what that place of comfort is. So when I begin to declare the word and when I begin to speak it out, when I make that decision ahead of time that I'm going to be joy filled, that I'm going to not, you can't mess with me. Like I'm not going to lose my temper because the Holy Spirit's developing self-control in me. When I begin to say that and I make those kinds of decisions, then before long I've been meditating on it and that becomes the place of comfort for me. So when I have those moments and that's where my mind and my feelings run to is that place of truth where I've been meditating on the word. Like it's changing my thinking. It's like <laughs> I had this car growing up. My first car that I got, I bought it. was $600. That tells you the kind of car it was. It looked like somebody had beat it with a baseball bat on every inch of this car. But it was my car, you know. Come on, somebody who had a junker as your first car. All right. Well, I was young and I didn't know how to take care of cars, and I ran this thing, and I didn't realize there was leaking oil bad, and (laughs) the filters were all, everything was gummed up and junked up and ended up blowing the engine, right? And the guy looks at me, and he was like, why didn't you change the filter? 
I, I learned a lot about engines. I, I replaced that thing myself and put a new one in there. Right now, I take care of my cars. He said, why didn't you change the filter? Don't you know how important the filter is? And I was like 17. I was like, nah, bro. I got to get to school. <laughs> so he's telling me, he's like, the filter takes the oil, the oil, runs through there, and it begins to get all the junk out of there. It begins to get all the trash out of there because if that stuff gets into the engine, then it gets clogged up. It takes what used to be good and gets it. Like, if we don't change the filter, like, there's going to be problems. The engine's going to lock up and it's going to break down. We, like, this, this is what we're doing. We're renewing our mind. We're changing our filter to truth, right? So we're thinking differently. We're going to develop an attitude of gratitude, and we're going to know before we go. Here's number three. If you're right, taking notes, write this down. We're going to look for where God is working. If you want to think differently, then you need to look for where God is working because you'll find whatever you're looking for. You'll find whatever you're looking for. So the question for us is what are we looking for? What are we looking for? Jesus said it this way, Matthew 7, verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So if you want to see negative and everything, guess what? You're going to find something to be negative about. If you see bad and you want to find bad, you're going to see bad in everything. Right? If you want to be critical about a church or an organization or a restaurant, guess what? You're going to find something to be critical about. But can I, can I just say, this is a good place to say, this is not a church for perfect people. So if you came in here looking for that, this ain't the church for you. Right? There's other places for that. But this is just, this is just a church for imperfect people. Like, man, we, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standard. But, but we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We've been redeemed, right? And so we're not perfect, but every day we're just taking steps, getting to know him more, renewing our minds, drawing closer to him. Like, it's okay. We come to him and we're a mess, but we're never just meant to stay there. We're meant to grow closer to him every day, right? So we don't have to be, like, worried. What are they going to think about this stuff that I'm involved in? Like, hey, we've all been in that place, but, man, God's just calling us out of darkness, into light like so just just come on let's take one step that's good for us right so if we want what if instead of just looking for bad looking for negative what if we begin to look for good guess what you're going to find some good things what if instead of looking for opportunities to be critical we begin for looking for opportunities to to invest to serve to make a difference to make things better right what if instead of looking for bad we begin to look for where god is working i promise you if you start looking for where god is working you will see god working you will see him working, right? We've got to change some of the things that we're looking at. Stop. We've got to stop interpreting our circum- our God through our circumstance, right? So something bad happens. Well, God must be bad then. He must not care enough about me. He must not hear me when I pray. If he did, he could have done something and he, he should have done something, right? Like that's interpreting God through my circumstance, through just a glimpse of, you know, like we've got to get to the place where we're, interpreting our circumstances through the goodness of God, right? It's flipping the switch on. It's thinking different, right? Oh, all this bad stuff is happening to me. Or maybe it's an opportunity for God to do something in you. Maybe it's an opportunity for God to change some things in his heart because he has some great things for you to do. Maybe you're at that place because with that, that you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not there, you're here, but maybe God has some people for you to reach in that job that you pray to get out of every day, that you used to pray to get that job, and now you're there, and you're like, God, deliver me from this place. And he's actually got you there as the light on the hill to bring the good news to people, right? I'm just saying. 
Sometimes we look at, we look at lack like that. God, just, just bless me. Give me more. Give me more. Not realizing that God has already given us something powerful. We look at lack. We look at, oh, I don't have enough. But instead, what if we look at it as a seed, an opportunity, right? Because God has given us everything that pertains to this life and to live in a way that pleases him, but he's given to us in seed form. So everything we have from our Father is in seed form. So instead of looking at lack through the filter of I just don't have enough and I'll never get there, it's like God has given me a seed. I might not be where I want to be, but I have something. I have a seed that I can sow, right? Just, just thinking differently. I know it's radical. I know, but this is the life God has called us to. It's a life of faith, right? So some of us, we need to begin thinking, you know, uh, we need to, the full checkup from the neck up, you know, like we need everything. Like I need to change. But some of us, like we need to change thinking in an area that other people wouldn't see and be like, yeah, that's not bad. That's not a big deal. But to us it is, you know. And I don't know what it is for you. You know, all of us it would be different. But I, I'm telling you that the power of God is available to you today to, for that place, to begin to think differently, to begin to change our filter and how we're thinking things. That's, that's the promise we have. So why don't we just take this moment all across this room right now and just begin to thank him. Just, just start with that. Find something to thank him for. Maybe you've got breath in your lungs today. You can breathe. Man, thank him for that. We just sang that song. It's your breath in my lungs, so I give you all the praise. I give you praise. Like, we've got breath. We can breathe. Thank you, God, for giving us breath, for giving us life today. Maybe you've got two legs that work. Man, you can give them thanks because that's better than some. Some don't have two legs that work. Lord, we thank you for giving me two legs. Thank you, God, for giving me two arms and two hands. Thank you, God, for giving me two eyes that I can see. Thank you, giving me taste buds that I can taste, something I can smell with. Thank you, God, for giving me ears that I can hear clearly because some people can't. Thank you, God. We have something we can be thankful for. Thank you, God, for loving me, for calling me, for making me your son, for making me your daughter, for redeeming me from destruction, Lord God. Thank you for how good you are. Lord God, thank you for all that you're doing in my life. Thank you for even when I feel alone, that I'm not alone, that I have church family all around me.